Well, in the grace, mercy, and peace of our loving Lord Jesus Christ, I want to uh, welcome you, whether you're joining us online or whether you're here in person. We want to just simply welcome you to this service of worship and celebration. But before we begin, there's always a few family matters that need to be mentioned. So I'm going to do that now. First of all, I want to welcome anyone who's visiting with us. And, or if you're watching with us for the first time online, a special welcome. But our prayer is that you would feel at home with us, in the midst of us, free to worship, free to worship in spirit and truth. And in order to get to know you a little better or to have a record of your visit, if you are visiting with us, if you just fill out one of those visitor cards in front of you, welcome to SPBC, and drop it off at the Welcome Center in the cafe after the service, that would be great. Also, as you are aware, we are receiving a love offering at this time, as we announced last Sunday, uh, for Joed and his family as they move on to the next step that God has for them. And if you would like to participate, simply mark your offering as love offering and give it in whatever manner you normally give. And just make sure it's noted that it's a love offering. And remember, love offerings are not tax receivable. Celebration service of the life and faith of Bev Belanger will take place tomorrow at one o'clock here at the church, and there will be an opportunity to greet the family uh, following the service during a fellowship time in the cafe. Also, as, we, as you know, we are excited about Christianity Explored coming up, and we're really excited about this program as this is the first time we've done a campaign since Alpha. And we would really like to be at much at prayer in the campaign at this point. We really need to be in prayer, asking God to show us whom he would have us invite, whom he would have us speak to, to include as part of this campaign. And so we have those little prayer cards. And you can put down five people's names on there and pray for them now so that when the time comes to physically invite them to come or verbally invite them to come, they will be ready to receive your invitation and to, have, and to come. And as you are aware, Pastor Gary and his family are still on vacation until September 5th, so if you have any pastoral needs, please contact myself or Pastor Peter or just simply call the church office. And uh, with Pastor Gary away, we're very happy to have Pastor Vidya Naramala with us today. And he'll be bringing the uh, message later on in the service. Following this morning's service, be sure to join us in the SPBC Cafe uh, and come on over, have a cup of coffee, uh, meet somebody maybe you've never met before or talk to somebody you haven't talked to for a long time and just have a good time of fellowship in the gym afterwards. Family really does matter here at SPBC. We are very much in prayer for each one and for each other. Uh, but at this point, we're going to turn the service over to the worship team and ask Ken if he'll lead us. Good morning, church. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I was looking at the book of Ecclesiastes this week, and probably not one you're in a lot, um, but I was reminded of, of just of seasons, right, of seasons of life where Sometimes things are really good, and sometimes things are really hard, right? It, it could be painful, there could be loss, there could be joy, there could be triumph. Um, but we just need to remember that in all those things, God is in control. Um, so if you're having a hard week, God is in control. And if you're having a good week, God is in control. And that's what we're here to do today, is, is to praise Him and thank Him. 
and just lay our cares down. That if there are worries and things that are, are taking our time and attention away, that we can just cast those cares on him. That he's the author and perfecter of our faith. He's, he's not weak. He's strong. He can, he can help us. We just have to call out to him. So we pray that that's what we'll do today. Um, as we prepare for today, please join with me as we pray. Father God, we thank you for today and the amazing gift that it is. God, we just pray for our people here. God, we just pray that we will have open hearts and open minds to receive what you have in store for us today. God, for in the message, in the music, God, in the fellowship, that God, you would just be real and moving and living and active, that God, there wouldn't be a shadow of a doubt that God, you are in us and that God, you love us so much. So God, maybe there's some here today who's Whose, whose faith is, is weak, or maybe they just don't really know what to believe about you. And God, we just pray that you would touch them today, that God, you would just be stirring up hearts and minds today. God, we know that there, this week there's been places that we've fallen. God, things that we've done that maybe we shouldn't have. And God, we just pray that you would help us not to wallow in those things, but God, again, to cast them at the foot of the cross where the blood of Jesus cleansed us and made us holy. So God, help us today to be curious. God, help us today just to be excited and, and energized and ready for whatever it is you have in store for us today. And we just thank you for all these things. In your name we pray. Amen. I'll ask if you're able, uh, please stand with us as we sing.
At this time, I'm going to do two things. I'm going to pray for our kids as they go off to their class, and I'm going to dedicate the offering to our Lord. So please join with me again as we pray. Father God, we thank you for the amazing gift of these children. God, for these kids that are just so precious in your sight. And God, we know there's lots of things that can um, tempt us, that can distract us. And God, we just pray that you would protect them, that God, you would keep them, that God, you would help them to know that you love them. So today for their leaders, we pray that you give them peace and patience and a whole lot of wisdom as they lead. And two, Lord, we want to commit this offering to you. God, we know that everything that we have and everything that we are comes from you. And God, whether it feels like much or little, God, help us to be thankful for, for what you've given to us. And Lord, as we return just a small portion of that which you've given, God, help us not to do it begrudgingly, God, with frowns on our faces, but God, just in eager anticipation of what you will do with it. So God, please take this offering, use it, and multiply it for your kingdom here on earth. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, kids, your leaders are out the back. Great singing today.
Would you bow with me in prayer at this time? Father God, how grateful we are that Jesus Christ does live today. And because he lives, we can face anything. Father in heaven, thank you for sending Jesus into this world. Thank you for the sinless life he lived, and, and thank you that he gave that life to forgive sinners such as us. And because he lives today, the grave could not hold him. We can face anything that this life could ever possibly throw at us. And though we stumble, we won't fall. We don't have to give in to whatever that trouble may be. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Gracious Father, thank you that Jesus accomplished for us what we could never have done for ourselves. Thank you that death could not hold him. That he conquered the grave so that now, because he lives, we no longer have to fear death. Life's enemy has been defeated. Death is no longer the enemy it once was. Because I know he holds the future. Not only is that future his, but because death could not hold him, he lives today in glory with you, and he has promised the same for each one of us simply because of our faith in him. Because we know our future is secure, bound in the eternal and everlasting promises of God himself, and greatest of all of these glorious things he has done is that he has given us life, life eternal, life everlasting, just because he lives. The object of and the security of that hope that is ours as we live out our lives here on this earth. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And it's all ours, just because he lives. Lord Jesus, Thank you that you are willing to come into this world to become human just as we are. Thank you that you willingly came and pitched your tent among us, living in our midst through your glorious spirit, not only giving us life today, but giving us a tomorrow that is a guaranteed and glorious and eternal. We rejoice in all that you have done to give us that which we do not deserve that which we have no right to, that which you have gloriously blessed us with. All we can say is, thank you, Lord. Thank you. Merciful Father, even as we lift our hearts in praise and worship to you in spirit, we, we recognize that we once more need to, must call upon you, cast ourselves on your mercy, as we ask for cleansing and for forgiveness, for spiritual healing, for you know that we have sinned against you. Lord, please show us these things that we need to bring to you so that we might confess our sins, that we might know the cleansing of your forgiveness yet once again.
And now, O oh Father, as children who simply trust their loving Father, we come to you and we pray for the needs that we see all around us, the needs of this world that we live in. So we pray for the nations of this world, especially those who are at war with one another, for those who are at war against their own people, for all the lands that do not know your peace, might they, they be surprised by the peace that can only come from you. Peace of mind, of soul, of heart, even as conflict rages about them. We pray for the leaders of this world, especially in these days of extraordinary things that are happening all around. We pray for the thousands of people who have lost their homes and their possessions, even the way of their lives and the fires that have swept through Maui and Big Island and Hawaii that are threatening Kelowna and who, are, and who have evacuated uh, Yellowknife. We pray for all these families, those who have lost loved ones and friends. Father, we pray for those who, who are displaced and we pray for those who are homeless, for those who have no jobs now, for their way of life. Father, this could be us. We pray for those who are suffering. This world is a mess. And the people of this world desperately need you. We know we know that outside of the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ, there is no hope. We pray for each other, for our brothers and sisters in Christ, for the work of this church, for the Christianity Explored campaign that we are, are planning for and praying for, even as we pray for those in our midst who are grieving, for those who have recently lost loved ones. We pray for Bill and his family, for Nancy's husband David and their family. We pray for Dick and Joanne and Joanne's boys, even as we pray for Harold and Catherine and their families. Lord, be there to wipe the tears to bring comfort, to touch hearts, to change lives. We pray for those who need a real healing touch, especially, Father, for those who know that save a miracle from you, they probably won't get better in this life, and yet they need to endure. So give them the strength. We pray for those suffering with Parkinson's. We pray for Janice and her ongoing health issues. We pray, Father, for others who are dealing with all kinds of physical needs, and, and we just pray that you will faithfully walk with them as they would walk with you, to keep trusting in you and all that your word speaks of. We pray for our shut-ins, for our elderly who can no longer simply come and go as they once did. We pray for those who are struggling to make ends meet in these unprecedented days of constant rising costs, even as we pray for those who are lonely, those who find themselves neglected and cast aside, those who are suffering in ways we can only imagine. 
Be the God who is there with them. Be the God of comfort and strength. The God who helps us all simply to keep on going. And now, Lord, as we turn to your word, as your servant comes and brings it to us, we pray for Vidya. We pray for the word you have blessed him with. May your spirit speak your truth into our souls, into our hearts and minds. And Lord, may it accomplish everything, everything that you have sent it out to do. We offer these prayers. We offer these moments in the powerful and precious name of Jesus Christ, the one who is the source of our everlasting hope. Amen. Well, I don't know how I introduce somebody like Vidya to you, other than we're awfully glad that Vidya is a part of our congregation on an ongoing basis, and, and for the ministries that God has blessed him with, for the missions work he does, but we are just so grateful for the word that God has blessed him to bring to us. So I'm going to ask Vidya if he'll come and, and bring this morning's word to us. I've decided that my wife is going to preach this morning, so. His wife decided not to. <laughs> I bring you uh, God's word. We are going to be reading from uh, Judges 6. If you have a pew Bible in front of you, that's page 380. And it's titled Gideon. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in the mountain clefts and caves and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other Eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel neither sheep, nor cattle, nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. When the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I rescued, from the hand, rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians, and I delivered you from the hand of all your oppressors. I drove them out before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live but you have not listened to me. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash, the Abzite, where his son Gideon was thrashing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, Lord, Gideon replied. But if the Lord is with us, why has all of this happened to us? 
Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, go in strength, you, and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in the Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Gideon replied, if now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that is really you talking to me. Please do not go away until I've come back and bring my offering and set it before you. And the Lord said, I will wait until you return. Gideon went inside, prepared a young goat, and from an ephah of flour he made bread without yeast. Putting the meat in a basket and its broth in a pot, he brought them out and offered them to him under the oak. The angel of God said to him, take the meat and the unleavened bread, place them on this rock and pour out the broth. And Gideon did so. Then the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the unleavened bread with the tip of the staff that was in his hand. Fire flared from the rock, consuming meat and bread, and the angel of the Lord disappeared. When Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, Alas, sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace, do not be afraid, you are not going to die. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it, The Lord is Peace to this day. It stands in the Ophrah of the Abrazites. That same night, the Lord said to him, Take the second bull from your father's herd, the one seven years old. Tear down your father's altar to Baal, to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole. Then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord your God on the top of this height. Using the wood of the Asherah pole that you cut down, offer the second bull as a burnt offering. So Gideon took ten of his servants and did as the Lord told him. Because he was afraid of his family and the townspeople, he did it at night rather than in the daytime. In the morning when the people of the town got up, there was Baal's altar demolished and the Asherah pole beside it cut down and the second bull sacrificed on the newly built altar. They asked each other, who did this? When they carefully investigated, they were told, Gideon, the son of Joash did it. The people of the town demanded of Joash, bring out your son, he must die, because he has broken down Baal's altar and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. But Joash replied to the hostile crowd around him, are you going to plead Baal's cause? Are you trying to save him? Whoever fights for him shall be put to death by morning. If Baal really is God, he can defend himself when someone breaks down his altar. So because Gideon broke down Baal's altar, they gave him the name Cherub Baal that day, saying, let Baal contend with him. Now all the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern people joined forces, crossed over the Jordan, and camped in the valley of Jezreel. Then the Spirit of the Lord came on Gideon, and he blew a trumpet, summoning the Abyssalites to him. 
to follow him. He sent messengers through Manasseh, calling them to arms, and also into Asher, Zebulun, and Naphtali, so that they too would go to meet him. Gideon said to God, If you will save Israel by my hand as you have promised, look, I place a wool fleece on the threshing floor. If there is dew only on the fleece and all the ground is dry, then I will know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you said. And that is what happened. Gideon rose early the next day. He squeezed the fleece and wrung out the dew, a bowl full of water. Then Gideon said to God, don't be angry with me. Let me make just one more request. Allow me one more test with the fleece, but this time make the fleece dry and let the ground be covered with the dew. That night God did so. Only the fleece was dry. All the ground was covered with his dew. Good morning. Would you pray with me? Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you. And may your words help us to examine our own lives and our walk with you this day and in the days to come. And all God's people said, Amen. I know that was a long text uh, for us this morning, but uh, it's important sometimes to read the entire context of the story so we understand the full meaning of what is going on there. I tried desperately to see which of the verses that I can cut out so my, the, my wife doesn't have to stand here and, and read 40 verses, but I couldn't because, and then when I did that, then it took out some of the context of what God was trying to accomplish through this insignificant man named Gideon. A few weeks ago when Pastor Gary called me and said, hey, we haven't talked for a while, uh, let's have coffee. Every time he does that, you know that you're on the hook for something. <laughs> uh, so we were having coffee and we're almost finished coffee and Almost like an afterthought, he looks at me and says, Hey, listen, uh, you know, you haven't been in the pulpit for some time. Uh, you know, I'm going uh, on vacation in the summer. Uh, do you mind pinch hitting for me one Sunday? Well, I'm here. And then I said, uh, Would you like me to speak into the series that you're doing in Acts? And then he said, No, no, you can preach on anything that you want. And I said, Wow, great. <laughs> How many, uh, I don't know of you have uh, read the book of Judges? It's been a long time since I read, and uh, the more I thought about what I was going to preach, the easiest thing for me to do was simply to go into my, you know, 25 years of a sermon archive and then pull one. And I realized as I looked at it, it all sounded kind of stale. And I said, no, I need to put some work into this. And uh, one verse kept coming uh, to me in reading 
Some of the things that are happening in our world today, in the context that we are living, and in the context that many, many people are living. And that verse comes from Judges 21:25. It says, in those days, Israel had no king. That's not the important part in that verse. In those days, Israel had no king. Everyone did as he saw fit. Everyone did as he saw fit. Kind of sounds familiar, doesn't it? Apparently, I can be anything that I want to be today. And you have to respect my right to be anything that I want to be. It doesn't matter what that is. Supposedly, I could even be a cat or a dog, and you have to respect me. Did you know that? Don't worry, I will be Vijay for the rest of my life, through God's grace. But we are living in a time, and we kind of wonder, what is going on to our world? And if you read the book of Judges, one of the things, and as I kept reading... What you will find is, for a period of 336 years after the death of uh, Joshua, from 1350 to 1014 BC, any kind of moral, ethical, and spiritual decline that you can think of, you will find in the book of Judges. Let me repeat that. Any type of moral, ethical, and spiritual decline that you can think of that is happening today was happening during the time of Judges. It was a violent period. And we kind of stop and say, oh, what is going on? in this world today. Yes, because of social media, we find out what is going on as it is happening. You turn the TV on and breaking news, breaking news, breaking news, it's breaking all the time. But in the ancient world, so much was happening that there was no breaking news. People were not kind to each other, people were rebelling against God, especially God's people, were rebelling against God. In this time, while much of the 336 years, Israel was given into the hands of uh, Amalekites and uh, Midianites and Mennonites, no, not Mennonites, but uh, <laughs> sorry, I, I just kind of said that in the flow. But there was a reason for that, and I want us to be careful, not necessarily to simply think of it that every time that we disobey or rebel against God, something nasty is going to happen to us. No, I want to be careful uh, to put that out there. But I do also want to uh, put that out there as a proposition that when God's people have been promised and God has spoken to them clearly and consistently again and again and again and God's people, God's people 
having experienced God's kindness, God's love, and God's promises, continue to rebel, disobey God's decrees and God's ways, and become like the world around them, including idol worship, human sacrifices, and you name it, it was happening in Judges. Then, time and again, that we see in God's word that God found a way to once again teach them some harsh lessons and uh, bring them back to himself. So, my challenge essentially is going to be how different are we today? It's easy to look back and look at the history of the people of Israel and you kind of go, how could you do that? I mean, even Gideon goes off track toward the end of his life. He completely does things that God had not instructed him to do. In fact, he married so many women, the Bible doesn't even give a number. It says he took so many wives from which he had 70 sons. 70 sons. And as if that was not enough, he takes another Shechemite woman as a concubine. And then out of that relationship, he sires a future successor to him. Not his own wife's sons or daughters, but a concubine's son. Abimelech. When you look at the history that in the Bible, it is messy. And one of the things that actually gives me a lot of strength and uh, belief in the word of God is that it doesn't sugarcoat the message. It gives to us as it happens. And it shows to us that Humanity, because of sin, we have continued to live this relationship with God again and again and again and again, just like the people of Israel did. Now, it's easy to believe in God and, and trust Him and that He is indeed our Savior through Jesus Christ when everything is going well. But we too wonder when sometimes God places a call on our lives and then we say, mm, you know, Lord, that's not me. I think you need to recruit somebody else. And other times we pray and pray and pray for something that God should do on our behalf. And God simply doesn't answer. And we question Lord, why did you allow this to happen? We struggled with that along with Brother David and, and Bill and his family last week in Leamington. We went to celebrate the life of Nancy. A life lived well, a life that was full, a life that lived, that was lived in the service of the church, God's people, our family. But for whatever reason, God had allowed disease to shorten her life. 
we can ask all such questions. But time and again, as with this text that was read for us, it's essentially God is saying that my peace is with you. And of course, ultimately, we do know what that means for those that have slept in the Lord, that we will indeed be reunited with them in God's kingdom. But when it does happen, indeed, as human beings, we are deeply grieved and hurt and wonder. Gideon was the fifth judge over Israel in the book of Judges. I mean, there were apparently about 15. I say apparently because some of them were insignificant judges, very short time. And also the last judge, that is Samuel, is also deemed to be a prophet, the 15th one. But essentially there's six major judges. We're not going to go into that, but we're going to focus on one this morning, Gideon. He is introduced to us in chapter 6 of the book while he was collecting wheat and hiding it from the enemy. When do you hide something? When you're frightened. And? Well, somebody will take, oh, well, we are afraid other times too. When we are doing something that we know we should not be doing. Particularly if it is something that goes against God or family or people that should not see what we are doing. True? We do it all the time. And some of the things that we do, even in, in secret, we don't want anybody to know. And sometimes we are somewhat embarrassed when people do find out that we are doing such things. But in this case, Gideon is afraid that the Midianites were going to see him collecting this wheat for his family and that they will take it away or worse, he might be killed. Because that's what was going on as was read. I'm not going to go into all of the text again. It is in front of you and was read already. An angel of the Lord comes to him and asks him to take on the task of Overthrowing the Midianites, a powerful army of 135,000 people, soldiers at that time. Who were continuously coming and causing all kinds of troubles for the people of Israel. And they're crying out to the Lord. The story of Gideon is full of faith lessons that both encourage and discourage us. That's the beauty of God's word. It's not just all about good news stories. While Gideon was threshing wheat on, uh, an angel of the Lord spoke to him and addressed him as a mighty man of valor. You think angel was playing with him? What's he doing? He's afraid for his own life. He's afraid for his family's life. He's hiding under the oak tree and quietly trying not to make too much noise and threshing the wheat so that his family would have some flour that he can, they can actually survive, they can actually eat. And then the angel comes and says, mighty man of valor in one uh, version, and NIV says, 
mighty warrior. How would you feel? How would I feel if I'm hiding from something and the angel of the Lord comes and says, Oh, great warrior. I said, you talking to me? I'm not a warrior. I'm, I come from this least of the clans, the tribes of Manasseh. And I am the least in my own family. Nobody pays me any attention. I'm the mighty warrior. Look what I'm doing here. I am afraid. I'm just making my next meal. Don't make fun of me. If there was Mia, that's what I would say. You know what? Find somebody else. Someone who is 6'6". Six, six. You know, maybe someone like Ed or that guy in the back. These are some tall people in this small church, I tell you. <laughs> someone who is strong and someone, you know, who has a booming voice and can command respect and can actually hold on to a sword and, and go and fight. Look at me. It's not me. I'm not sure if the angel is trying to pump him up with the false courage or really meant as what God would actually accomplish through him in the future. I tend to believe that God was already, he, because he knew what he was going to accomplish through Gideon. And interestingly, he says, Gideon uses the first person pronoun and says, I cannot do this, I cannot save See, oftentimes it's a problem that we struggle in our own lives, even as God's people, as Christians. I cannot do that. I cannot do this. I'm afraid of this. I'm afraid of that. Me too. But one of the things that the angel consistently reminds Gideon is, hey, buddy, you're not doing this. Okay? Just get the message. You're not doing it. Okay? God is going to do it. You're just kind of there. Okay, just show up with some pots and candles and, you know, with 300 people around the Midianite uh, camp, soldiers camp, and then just break the pots and then they'll get up and kill themselves. Is that a strategy that uh, if you're the military commander that you would go against a strong army of 135,000 people? No, I would not do that. I said, Lord, please, Thank you for having that confidence in me. But no, give me something else. Maybe in the kitchen or some other ministry in the church. But that's not me. I'm not doing it. I'm not your person. And this is where the challenge comes to Gideon and to many of us. The concept of putting out the fleece. Do you know what it is? In many religious uh, circles, uh, I grew up with it, that uh, people make deals with God. Or it's almost like a test. Uh, many cultures do that. It's like, if you do this to me, then I know that you are real, and then in return, I will do this for you. It's more like a bargain that people are making. And what Gideon does in this story, in chapter 6, is he makes a bargain with the angel and the Lord Ultimately, that if you do this, if I know that you are indeed actually the Lord of Israel that has brought us out of Egypt. 
Now, Gideon was not alive. He did not see. Maybe he may have seen as a child, but I don't think so, because it's been a while. And as we know that, except for two people that came out of Egypt, none of them have seen or entered into the promised land. Who are they? Hey, 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 we are doing good here. Bible quiz, we should do that sometime. That's what we used to do when I was growing up in our church in Hyderabad, India. Uh, Every three months, we had Bible quizzes in front of the whole church. You better not lose in front of the whole church. (laughs) If you didn't know the answer, don't stand up and give the wrong answer. So it was always, you know, girls against boys. It was a competition like no other. We should not have done it like that. It should have been a mixed uh, games some other time. (laughs) But we struggle with what is happening around and we question and wonder where is God in all of this. As was already prayed for this week, thousands lost their homes, many people perished, and untold property damage in Maui, Hawaii has happened. They're continuing to find people, even as we speak. They're saying that close to 1,000 people may have perished. Yesterday's report was about 500, and people are still finding. This week, hundreds of homes and churches have been looted, burned, and many Christians were beaten in a Muslim nation in Asia. Did you know that? Did any of our media cover it? No. You know why? Because allegedly somebody, somebody in a Christian community, one individual has blasphemed. Blasphemed the name of prophet. So a crowd of 10,000 plus went into the Christian villages and literally burned the homes and the churches that they were there for, looted and beat up the Christians. Churches were burnt and Christians killed in an African nation this last week. Did any of our media cover that? No. And in the last two months, hundreds of churches were burnt and many killed in another Asian nation that I come from. And yet I have not heard or read a single story where these believers have abandoned their faith in the saving grace of Jesus Christ. And yet here is Gideon saying, why have you abandoned us? We have heard the stories of your greatness, of your almighty power, how you have brought these people, our people, out of all kinds of troubles, out of Egypt. We have heard the stories of How our ancestors have told us that you have provided for us in the wilderness for 40 years. Food and water and shelter and protected us from our enemies. And here you bring us into the promised land and you have handed us over into the hands of the Midianites. Lord, what are you doing? Are you for real? Or your time has finished that you no longer are, you know, our protector? That you no longer a God of promises. Or maybe you have now finished with your covenant with us now that you have brought us into the promised land. Can you imagine having those kinds of questions? Maybe many of you can share stories from your own lives. 
Even from the pandemic recently, in my own family, two of our family members almost died. That was that close. And entire church was praying, family was praying. Many people didn't make it in, in that church and we know of many people that didn't make it in that church in our context. But God hasn't always answered in the affirmative and saved those people that we have prayed for. And so we struggled with the things that have happened in our lives, in our, in our communities, in our society. And we questioned and we were fearful. We questioned the authorities, we questioned the government, we still question them. Nothing wrong with that. But fear is something that grips us and doesn't let go. The people of Israel are living in fear. Knowing full well how wonderfully God has provided for all of their needs. And yet they are in this context in the second part of it. Israel falls into sin and idolatry. They were literally worshipping Baal just like the people of Midian and just like all the other people of Amalekites are surrounding them and persecuting them. They were actually worshipping the same gods and goddesses. And now that they are in bondage again, they are starting to wonder, did God forget us? See, in a covenantal relationship, there's two parties. Okay? It's not a contract. Just like marriage is not a contract, that language is used in the scriptures a lot. That our relationship with God, our relationship with His Son, Jesus Christ, is one of what? A marriage. A marriage that has to be faithful. Not just one side, but from both sides, yes? Because if it is not from both sides, it is not a covenant. It is an order. I am going to tell you what you're going to do, and you will do it. And you will not question what I'm asking you to do. That's an order from a dictator. And fortunately, we do not serve a dictator. We serve and worship a loving, a gracious, compassionate God who keeps his covenant with his people. Yes, maybe the prayers that you have prayed for have not been answered in the affirmative. Maybe not once, maybe many times. But regardless, you continue to be faithful as we are expected to be faithful in our own marriages, in our own families. So the first thing that Gideon is asked to do is what? An illegal and unlawful thing. Okay, Gideon is just getting the idea that, yeah, okay, it is indeed God's angel. The Lord has spoken to me. Oh, sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. He acknowledges 
and then comes the first test. What I want you to do is go and destroy <laughs> the altar and the Asherah pole that your own father Joash had built for your family in honor of Baal worship. Imagine this, he is living in a home that he is threshing some wheat to help feed. He is in, living in his father's home that has actually built the altar and the Asherah pole, a long pole made of wood, where people would come and worship Baal. You're going not only against your own father, because that was a big deal then. It is a big deal now too, but people don't pay as much attention. But you're going against your own family's worship practices. My goodness, we get all bent out of shape that, you know, we go to some other church and then the worship is somewhat different. Oh, I, I don't like that. You know, they sang like this, they played like that. Imagine going to some other church and they're actually doing Baal worship. And it's your father that is a priest. So he, I mean, I don't know if he wasn't thinking. He said, okay, if that's what you want me to do, I'll do it. And in the midst of all this fear and trepidation and people hiding from Midianites, he was able to find 10 men. So deep down inside, even though people were afraid, they were looking for opportunities to do the right thing. See, that's how we are. Because if we truly understand God's love and God's history with us in the past and present and God's history with us and his covenant with us that if we follow him and follow and repent and ask for forgiveness in the son that he has sent, that is Jesus Christ, in whose name we will be saved. And what a beautiful promise that is. Not only us, but anyone, no matter where you are in the world, no matter what is happening around you, if you come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and ask for forgiveness and repent of your sins, you will be found in the presence and the kingdom of God forever and ever. Amen? See, in this world that we're living, in this society that we're living, that is a simple message that people do not want to accept. We want complicated algorithms of how this whole spiritual thing should be worked out in our lives. And because we are created in the image of God, every one of us, whether we are following Jesus or not, one of the things that I continue to argue is that we are indeed spiritual beings created in the image of God. Therefore, that desire, that innate desire to know our creator will continue to be part of what humanity, part of what who humanity is until Jesus comes. No questions about it. But because they do not want to accept Jesus, 
but still need something. So they are latching on to something that has become a new religion, new faith, something to follow and become activists for. We hear about it every day. But back to our buddy Gideon here, he actually goes and while his courage needs to be appreciated and praised, there are limits to Gideon what he can do. So he's afraid that people are going to find out if he goes during the daytime. Duh. So what does he do? He takes his 10 men, goes in the night and then literally demolishes this uh, altar to Baal that his own father had built and demolishes the Asherah pole and guess what? And this is actually insulting. He uses the wood from the Asherah pole to build an altar to do a second sacrifice unto the Lord. Well, obviously people are going to find out. In this day and age, in that day and age, it was punishable by death. If you had done that. And I wouldn't recommend it. If you do it today, very likely we will spend the rest of our lives in jail. In Canada, that is. There are clear guidelines on what you are not supposed to do. For Pete's sake, we can't even... I know I shouldn't say that, but uh, my wife laughs at it. (laughs) Even pronouns, if we get them wrong, you know, you could be charged these days. By the way, I don't have any. But here we are, Gideon, afraid, but does the thing what the angel asks him to do. Sure enough, it gets found out next day. It says they investigated thoroughly and it was determined that it was Gideon, the son of Joash, that had demolished the altar to Baal and the Asherah pole. And they demand, Joash, bring out your son. I don't know, he must have been in the house. They didn't break down the house, but they demanded, Joash must have been a man of some importance because they don't uh, go and destroy his house. They ask him, bring your son out. Because for such a thing what he had done, He needs to be put to death. Now, parents are parents. You want to protect your children, even if they're adults. So, Joash actually makes a good bargain. Why are you so worked up about it? Is Baal not a god? Not a god? Is Baal not a god? If indeed he is a god... How come he did not protect himself? How come he did not destroy Gideon and the ten men that came to destroy this altar? And the pole? Tell you what, Baal is quite capable of doing this thing all by himself. Now you guys all relax. If indeed Baal can, and he will, and he will take his revenge against my son. Against my son. Obviously nothing happens and Gideon is spared because no idol in the history of humanity had the power 
of doing anything because it is something that has been created, made by human beings, yes? And then we go on and it continues that uh, Gideon is getting a little bit, so he, you know, braver. So he gathers the people from all around him and he is ready, but and if you have to, you know, get the real full story of it, read chapter 7 and chapter 8 as well after lunch this afternoon. Uh, there's a whole process of choosing, the recruitment process of going against the Midianites, how it happens. And ultimately, it was only 300 soldiers that lapped the water in the river like dogs for the people that God has said, those are the people that I want, send everybody else home. We do not understand God's ways because they are not our ways. We try. We think we should understand and we try desperately to understand how God works in our lives. Sometimes we do, it's fairly clear. Sometimes the answer to our prayers are fairly simple and straightforward and we are so energized by that. But sometimes they are not. In fact, oftentimes they are not. Especially when we're going through health challenges, when we're going through faith challenges, when we're going through relationship challenges, maybe even death in our families, untimely death. Like Gideon, we may also wonder why such things are happening to us because that's exactly what Gideon does. If God is for us, why is all this happening to us? If God is for us, in John 16, 33, Jesus gives a fairly simplistic answer, yet it is a profound answer. He says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. And then in another place, he also says, peace not like the world gives you, but the kind of peace that I give you has no understanding in this world. It is a spiritual peace. Please note that he doesn't say, I'm going to give you health, prosperity, or power. And then he goes on to say, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. In this world, you will have trouble. And I think all of us are witnesses to that. But take heart. I have overcome the world. What would we rather have in our lives? If I put an offer, if an angel of the Lord just appeared right now and says, okay, Vijay, enough preaching, go sit down. I'm going to put, give an offer to these people at Stanley Park. You know, they're all wondering about it. And then he gives this offer. Riches, health, and a good life in this world. And then to hear the following words at the end of our lives when we face Jesus himself. He says, and Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Matthew chapter 7. That's one option. And not knowing, because there is a bit of a suspense in there. Because we do too. We do say, Lord, Lord. We just finished singing a bunch of beautiful songs this morning. Worshipping God. 
Yes? But, what does it mean? Lots of songs that we sing, we sing just out of habit. I confess. But do we really understand and implement those in our lives? And then we cry out, like Israel cries out to the Lord. Because I think if we are really honest with ourselves, our spirituality and our walk with the Lord, we do struggle with our walk with Jesus. I do. Because I want God to do things in my life and his call to be in my life by my timetable. So I struggle with that. I kind of make bargains for that. Lord, can you, can you just adjust this a little bit? Because th this is too hard. Just a little bit of adjustment. I would really appreciate that. Or we hear Jesus saying in Matthew 25, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. As I said, being in the world, if we are honest, we struggle with such faithfulness. And this was the challenge with the people of Israel throughout the book of Judges. We are told in the scriptures, be in the world, but be like the world. Is that what it says? Yeah? What does it say? Be in the world, but not off the world. But that's such a tough thing to do. That TV series is so wonderful. I have to watch the whole seven series, seasons. But that's off the world. But Lord, how do I compromise these things? We struggle. I think we are clearly told to, to be in the world, but not off the world. And so we struggle and we make bargains. And that's what we see Gideon doing with this putting out the fleece. One day he wants it like this. That the fleece is wet when he wakes up in the morning. And it is indeed wet. I mean, I don't know about God's patience. Actually, I do. If it was me, I said, what's the matter with you? I've told you enough things. And I've saved you thus far. And you are testing me again? You want this fleece to be wet in the night? And everything else around it dry? All right, I'll, I'll be patient. And then next day you come back to me, Lord, you know, I am almost ready here. I'm almost there. You got me, but one more, one more test. Don't, don't be angry with me. Can you do it the other way around? It's almost like a magic trick. Jesus had some clear warnings about that. He actually says, you wicked generation, unless you see signs and wonders, you do not believe. And yet, he himself did signs and wonders, and what did they do to him? You see, humanity's gullible nature, and struggle with not really believing what God is asking us, what God is calling us to do. We all struggle with that. But I think the, 
idea of God's people coming together as part of a church and studying God's word and encouraging each other and being led by the power of the Holy Spirit is precisely for us to be encouraged and to persevere in the midst of such challenges. And hopefully we win eight out of ten times. Gideon continues to make bargains with God and what I see that I get, I, like I kept reading again and again that God obliges. He obliges. What a patient, compassionate and loving God that we serve. How many times that I might have disappointed God's call in my life. And yet God continues to gently tap me on my shoulders and say, I'm not done with you. I need you, Vijay. I need you to continue to serve in the places where I have asked you to serve. I want you to remember, he says, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me, not you. So I get energized when I travel and I see what God is doing in so many parts of the world. Even as the church is declining in the Western Hemisphere, God is reaching people for himself in the continent of Africa, South America, Latin America, Asia. Churches are popping up left, right and center. I was saying to a friend recently that, uh, you know, uh, summertime often uh, our Western churches are kind of, you know, people are on holidays and, and so on. And uh, so I got a, a report from Thailand uh, this week that uh, I, my head just spun to see the kind of things that they had planned throughout summer and how many people had come and how many people had come to accept the Lord Jesus Christ. And they just had two weeks ago, three weeks ago, uh, nine people for the first time have accepted Jesus Christ and have been, uh, have received water baptism. And the same story is repeated in many parts of the world. I think such stories should be an encouragement to us here and continue to partner with them and bless them. I think, uh, as with Gideon's case, oftentimes we, even after seeing, sometimes we struggle to uh, believe. And to those, Jesus says, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed in his comments to Thomas, the disciple. Let me leave us with just two questions to reflect and challenge ourselves as we enter into the week. How different are we today from Gideon? Oh, by the way, God does give ultimate victory to the people of Israel with just 300 people. And if you read the rest of the history, before too long, they are back to Baal worship. So the cycle repeats, God raises up a judge, and these are not judges as we understand within the judicial sense of how our present day 
uh, understanding of who a judge is supposed to be. These were just leaders where people brought some of their struggles or they fought against the enemies that were destroying the people of God. And then, you know, for a period of time, there was peace. After Gideon's time, there was 40 years of peace. And then all kinds of stuff happens. And then back to the same story again for 336 years. And then Israel is delivered. They worship God for a period of time. And then before too long, they're building altars to Baal or some other gods and goddesses. It's a cautionary tale for each one of us in our lives that that kind of slipperiness is not too far from our own spiritual lives. It doesn't take long because so much pressure is being put on, especially the church and Christians today. We are struggling to even confess in a public sphere that we are the followers of Jesus Christ. Yes, I think we are. And what kind of a fleece are we putting out to test God's patience as he calls us to serve him and patiently waits and puts up with all of our questions, doubts, and excuses. May he find in us, that is his church and his people, faithful and obedient in the places that God has called us at Stanley Park Baptist Church in this community for this season of time as he continues to call each one of us in whatever way that he calls us to serve him, to bless him, and to bless others in the name of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, we confess that we are not always faithful and obedient to the call that you place on our lives. We confess that we are fearful. We are afraid of the world around us. Rather than place our trust and be bold in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, give us wisdom. Wisdom on how to live as your people in a world that increasingly chooses to ignore you, abandon you, and reject you. But Lord, this world belongs to you, and we know that you are fully in control, and that in your time, you will call the people to yourself. That is our prayer. But Lord, in the meantime, we ask that your Holy Spirit will continue to guide us, our families, our churches, that we remain faithful to your word. In the name of Jesus Christ, that there is salvation and in no other name that people can come to the Father who is in heaven. And all God's people said, Amen. And um, as we respond today, if you're able, we'll ask you to stand again as we sing.
we go from this place, take these words from the writer of the Hebrews who says, Now may the God of peace who brought you up from the dead, from brought, who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep, and ratified the eternal covenant with his blood, 
Pray, may he equip you with all you need for doing his will. May he produce in you through the power of Jesus Christ every good thing that is pleasing to him. All glory, all power belong to him forever and ever. Amen. <laughs>